welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com, and welcome to episode 48. Today we're going to be taking a look at a specific type of animation that's been uh, cropping up a bit more as the year's been going by, like uh, the inclu- which is namely the inclusion of, the or combination thereof, of 2D animation and 3- 3D animation. And But before that, we're going to get into some news, and joining me today is Chris. Hey, Chris! Hello! How are you doing this week? I I am all right. How are you? All right, all all right as well. It's been a busy week at work, but I had some time off at the beach or at nice. Rehoboth Beach, aka Beach City. If for those of you who watch Dean of the Universe, because that's actually the beach which that uh, the location of that show is based on. So I actually got to run around there and have some fun with my two girlfriends. Nice. So it was it was it was nice to get away from work for a little while. But um, also joining us today is Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey. How are you this week? I'm good. Cheers. How are you? Brian, doing well. Good. And last but certainly not least is Yvonne. Hey, Yvonne. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? How are things? How are things going with you, with the Animation Nights in New York? Uh, We've got, there's a lot to do. We're putting stuff (laughs) together for the uh, uh, Animation Nights New York Best of Fest, September Mm -hmm. 29th and 30th. Um, Although we still uh, have to put together official press release and all that good stuff. But um, we got test merchandise in the mail yesterday. So um, I've... I got to try on a T-shirt with the um, updated logo, and it looks pretty sweet, honestly. I saw nice. the pics. I Isn't saw the pic. it cool? Doesn't it look yeah. good? Like very really, snazzy. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's um, you know they're just letters. We're just doing like a sort of cleaned up version of the um, original logo just for the best of us. But um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. <laughs> that is so neat. We need yeah. merchandise. Yes, we do. I know. It's, yeah. It feels so good to get something in the mail like that. Um, it's, yeah. You should check it out. I'm telling you. I, I want a t-shirt. I want an AFA t-shirt. So do I. <laughs> we, have the, we, have, we have a really nice logo. Like I said, I, I said on Facebook, we've uh, brought brand new business cards. And uh, just yeah, put, the little, put the little AFA logo on there and walking away from the staples with those in my hand, which is such a good feeling. Yeah. They look very totally. cool. <laughs> awesome. Step by step, step by step, we're coming. We're becoming more and more official. It's it's a good feeling. But um, totally. So yes, and uh, I will have to say this to our uh, our loyal listeners. I do apologize that we weren't around uh, last week. It was uh, Chris was unfortunately un- not feeling well at the very well at the time, so he wasn't very uh, doing too well to record, and I was being. Frustrated, eternally frustrated by my day job, and just it wouldn't have worked out. But that's why I'm really glad we're back this week and we're able to tackle this uh, interesting topic for discussion. And like I said, we're going to first go into some news uh, since there was not this week, but the week prior, uh, the San Diego Comic Con uh, happened, and lots of stuff was announced, and trailers were shown, and it was all some really, really neat stuff, including some. Uh, interesting shorts that were premiered at Comic-Con. So we're just going to go through some of that. One of the big ones that, uh, announcements that they made in Comic-Con that I was personal interest to me and uh, all of us at AFA who have had the chance to see Voltron, the legendary defender is that the, uh, 
the panel that the exclusive panel that they had at Comic Con this year basically came out and said that season two is on its way. And it has been less than a year since the show even premiered, like only a couple months. So it's just the fact that they're already kind of getting on of getting ready for the next release date for the second season is impressive. Late late 2016, they said, isn't it? Yeah, 2016. Other than that, they won't say a specific date, but the fact that it's still within the same year. I would have thought December. I, I would hazard a guess that it would mm-hmm. be... I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that surprised if it was like New Year's Eve, or something. <laughs> it's like the very uh, end of the year. It's like it's still technically the same year, guys. They release stuff. They release stuff at um, <laughs> uh, that sort of date, and yeah, it's coming. It's coming around really quick, considering. But I think we. It's you said about that that you'd heard that there were more episodes than there were, so. I think I'm, that might have been, uh, like, misinformation, I think, from one. Because I know I, I keep checking on Netflix, it's only just the 11 episodes. And I remember if it was either a news report or, like, some kind of listing of the said episodes. And it it's it was literally the same, you know, episodes, just with different numbers attached to them, I think. So I'm well, not too sure about that. Well, I wondered if it might be a case of they've actually... They'd actually immediately commission twenty six episodes or whatever, or twenty four, oh. twenty four, and then they just cut it into two loads. So it's basically one season, but they're um, just dividing it over time. Just it was probably sense. produced at the same time, pretty much as well, because mm-hmm. there's no way that they didn't know. There's no way that you know that they they're not already working on these. Mhm. I mean, it, they might have been taken back by quite how popular it was, or something, and yeah. maybe r- rushed it forward. But I would have thought that there was always a plan to like release two sets in within a year or something. And that I would was, make sense. I was, um, I was gonna like write up more of an article, and then I realised the stuff that I was reading was like, oh, and and. The story picks up where this happens, and like, oh no, wait, I haven't finished yet. Don't want to read that. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't want to spoil where the where the where the show ends if you haven't seen it yet, because it's kind of a big deal. I guess I kind of know now, but hey. <laughs> oh, so you already spoiled yourself, did you? Hazard of writing for an animation site. <laughs> Aww. You should still watch the episode though, because it's 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 very enjoyable. That whole heck, that whole arc is is really interesting. Like got a lot of twists and turns in it. But anyways, we're not here to talk about just Voltron. <laughs> as not much today. as I would, as much as I would like to. Um, another relatively uh, we've talked a couple times uh, or mentioned this several times on the website before that they've announced a Lego Batman movie that oh. will be coming out. What was the release date? Did they say February to next February. year? February. But um, they actually released a new trailer in uh, Comic-Con for this movie, and boy, is it, does it look hilarious. This is my Batman. <laughs> never, yeah. never mind Ben Affleck, this is my Batman. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Batman we want, not necessarily the one we deserve, but it's the one we want. <laughs> we deserve this one. <laughs> we deserve a good Batman, and this is a good Batman. Batman isn't necessarily known for being 
hasn't been really known for being funny since the Adam West Batman. <laughs> At least to my knowledge. Time has come. The time yeah. has come. Yeah, it's, it's come round. Return to form, I guess you could say. There was a quite light series. What was it? Be- was it called Beware the Batman? Where oh, the cartoon series is that? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it? I can't that, remember what that was called. It, there, there was one that was like it was kind of tongue in cheek, wasn't it? Yeah, and it had all different. It brought in like all other DC Comics characters. Some of them. Oh, the Brave and the Bold. That's oh, that's Brave it. And bold. Yeah, that's and it. then and then there was and then after that it was called Beware the Batman. That was the CG mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the brave, the brave and the bold did not last long. Was pretty pop. Well, it was popular amongst people who really loved it, but that wasn't very many people. Mm, yep, yeah. we are. There are always those kind of shows. So this trailer introduces Michael Sira as Robin, mm-hmm. so we get to see what his portrayal of Robin is going to be like, and it looks funny. <laughs> we got a few I, I Forgive me, but I like. Watching him walk around the Batcave and, you know, be himself was kind of just... It, it gave me so many flashbacks to the main character of the original Lego movie. It's just like, it's kind of kind of similar character, but just different circumstance. In a way, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I can see it. <laughs> but no, it's, it's going to be a really hilarious dynamic between uh you've got robin you've got batman and of course you've got alfred the butler <laughs> best. telling batman to get a life best alfred definitely best yeah, alfred heck yes best alfred ralph fines and... ralph fines is bat as alfred oh uh, that's who's playing him yes Ooh, fun and let's see, on the line of uh, DC Comics, since that is a DC property, it's, um, they've also been, uh, I think they also announced three other uh, DC animated movies that are going to be following off the heels of uh, The uh, Killing Joke, which I believe the titles are Justice League Dark, which is a interesting title, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract, and... Batman and Harley Quinn. I believe Justice League Dark is a different set of characters. Um, I don't know who they are, but they are... um, Well, I think they include Constantine, uh, John Constantine, and um, a bunch of other sort of dark, um, supernatural um, side of DC. Hmm. And as, you know, teamed up. And there was suggestion at one point that Guillermo del Toro might be making a live-action movie of Justice League Dark, and people were excited really? about that. Yeah, but it's huh. not happening. Because uh, they've gone their own way with the DC movies, sadly. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they passed up on having Guillermo del Toro be a part of it was the biggest mistake they'll ever make. Whether it was actually they passed up on it, or whether he's just so damn busy doing everything ever, I don't know. <laughs> Totally. Either, either or, either or. Yeah, he's a workaholic for sure, <laughs> and we're happy for it. <laughs> I have to admit, the only only one of those animated films I even got a vague interest in would be the Judas Contract for the Teen Titans, 
because I know that was a really big, super important arc in the of that of that particular comic, and I would be curious to see how they tackle that, considering they've already had um, they've already did a Teen Titans esque animated movie already. But I don't know. It's 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 really hard to say, considering the you know DC's last couple big animated films. It's just it's. It can go either way, really. I haven't really rated the animated movies that I've seen, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've heard of The Killing Joke, that's not likely to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, some of our uh, followers who have been keeping a close eye on the Hey Arnold Jungle movie... Uh, they would be happy to know that they, after Comic-Con, that they released some new character designs for the movie. So, it's still slow going, They, but they're, you know, just letting, releasing more information as it, you know, as time goes on. And so, hopefully, that'll whet your appetite until the next release and when they, until they actually get, you know, re- premiere the movie. Um, but one of the biggest things that, for animation fans, that I think was really kind of set this comic-con apart a little bit was that there was a lot of different announcements and premieres of different kinds of animated shorts based on uh either comic book characters or you know comic properties one of which was i think they had like a teaser for a rocket the raccoon and groot short or well there was multiple shorts wasn't it that they're planning on making yeah i think so i believe they're going to be on disney xd um yeah and they were made, uh, both, they're all, I think all of them are supposed to be made by Passion Pictures? I think so, yeah. Uh, French studio, I believe. I think yeah, they're I based in London. Are they? Oh, I thought... I thought I so. Saw the, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the, um, the NASA mission patch uh, with uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot? No, please that, elaborate. That was tweeted. Um, yeah, you should look at it. It's really awesome looking too. It's a, <laughs> um, a Center for Advancement of Science and Space, CASIS, announced Friday that Groot and Rocket the Raccoon will be featured on a mission patch that will represent all payloads and will head to the National Laboratory and the International Space Station. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Cool, huh? Well, well, we are all Groot, so... Yeah, James... <laughs> we are yeah, exactly. Groot. Exactly, we are Groot. Uh, yeah, James Gunn <laughs> tweeted it from San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con. But that looked... I, I saw that uh, online. That was just, like, wicked. <laughs> but the, um, the, the Rocket, uh, Raccoon, and Groot uh, shorts, they, they released some test footage. Mm-hmm. From yeah, that, the... and it looks amazing. It's like it really does. I don't know what they've done. Is it? I can't honestly tell. Like, if it's there are some parts which are clearly like hand drawn, but then like the models of the characters look like amazing cell shaded CG. I really can't tell how it's done. It is. I, I, I'm. I believe me. I picked up on that as well. And it just. It's. It is. It's an interesting trying to pin down what kind of essentially what kind of style it is. If it's just their your, their own unique look, and maybe we can when we get to our main discussion, we can kind of go into that a bit more because that is kind of tied to what we're going to be talking about later in the episode. Ah, uh, segue. 
Segway. Well, T's really, I guess. T's. Yeah, it's a Segway in the worst place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we still have a ways to go. Um, But another interesting series of shorts that um, came out of Comic Con and they was recently put up online. I think not long after Comic Con was over was um, for Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, and. They had they released three different animated shorts, um, all anim- you know each one animated by a different person. Um, let's see if I can recall who it was that uh, Paul Jenkins and uh, Kevin Eastman uh-huh. animated one of them. Uh, another was animated by Brandon Alman, and then the last um, was very interestingly enough was uh, hopefully I don't butcher his name. Sorry if I do, um, John. Yonan Vasquez, aka the creator of Invader Zim. Oh, okay. And Eastman, he's one of the co-creators of the Turtles, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the, the yeah one of the original creators of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. Yeah, I thought so. So yeah, it was it was it was really cool to be able to see. Uh, I would say it's it's kind of like it's a bit of a mesh between his and I think. Uh, Paul's art style, but it was it was it was really cool to be able to see him do some animation work, and it was a very funny short. <laughs> I I haven't had the chance to see them. Are they were they just done for Comic Con, or or they are are they being shown on TV, or what are they? I haven't seen them on TV yet, but I think they probably will be. If they're online, there's chances are they might like pop up every now and again on uh, Nickelodeon. Oh, but you can watch them on YouTube. Like that's yes. primarily where they All are. All three are available on online. Oh, oh, I didn't realize they were hand drawn. Yeah, no, they they all are. But they kind of look like the 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 new designs. Um, inspired by the new designs. I don't think they're they're supposed to entirely replicate it. I mean, obviously with um with Vasquez's art style, with like he did with Invader Zim, um, it's still it you you can see a lot of his you know. His tells, his animation tells, over all over that particular short, but uh, yeah, it's definitely supposed to be in, inspired by not just the the new show, but also maybe like the previous show. Like, there's even a reference in um, the Brandon Almond short of the original 1980s uh, Turtles. This is an interesting development. These shorts being done by like the major, well. They're not being done by the major studios, but be they're tied to properties of. Like, um, I don't know if you saw uh, a couple of years ago. Um, well, when it was the year Man of Steel came out, there was a little short. Um, oh yeah, that was the best thing about Man of Steel. Yeah, that was that short. <laughs> that was one of the yeah. two good things that came out of Man of Steel. That and the score. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so cool. Who did that? That was like, um, was it Bruce Tim? It was. Was it? Bruce, oh, it Bruce, might have been. I think it yes, was. Yes, it was. It was Bruce know, Tim. This, this might. This is hard for us to accept, but I think it's Bruce Tim and Zack Snyder. Were you know? Oh. So wow. he might have done one thing that was good. <laughs> Zack Snyder like well, was told to come in and help. But he actually was just sort of given a colouring book and told. He was spinning on the office chair. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) playing with his 
Superman. Yeah, he was, he was like he was, was the playing with his Batman figures, jumping like basically got the Batman figure and just stomped on top of the Superman figure because he hates Superman. He was yeah. He was allowed to play with like the little abacus in the corner on the on the table that's kind of lower, like a plank. <laughs> he's like, can more stuff blow up, please? <laughs> God, I don't know. Don't Zach, like him, do Zack Snyder is many things, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's a Michael Bay. <laughs> exactly. I think there is no. It's, well, that's not. It's not the place. But I think they're as bad as each other. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. anyway, uh, <laughs> what what were we talking about before then? TMNT shorts. Yeah, yeah. They they, they are. They're, they're so. It's a really cool way for like. It's cool for us because it means like we get these these cool little like uh, special things every now and again. But the reason they're done usually is to try out ideas and see how people respond to them. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a quick, cheap-ish way for studios to do that. Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, if it's. I'm, I'm personally, I was just happy to see, even though I was not the biggest fan of Invader Zim, I did really enjoy looking at the animation for that show, and it was just, you know, even though I'm, I can't say it was my favorite short of the three, but it's it still was just really cool to be able to see his animation style again. I just, I just think more shorts like this Yeah, great thing. <laughs> It may be a cheap way to test out ideas, but I think it's 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 still fun to see, especially when, just like I said, different animators get to try try out different ideas. But this this makes me intrigued whether they're trying them out for. <laughs> exactly. Oh, nice. <laughs> and moving right along, there was an announcement recently. I think it was about I think it was just about a, made about a week ago. Um, for there was an uh, announcement of the extend, uh, extended cast list of for the Moana movie, including um, also released a bunch of different a um, what was it character character posters. So mm-hmm. you have you know Dwayne Johnson as Maui. Um, see if I could pronounce her name for um, Moana's actress it was Al- Ali Krav- Kravalo. I'm sorry, I've, I've butchered that. It doesn't look like it's the most helpful name to read. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's no. got a little apostrophe in it. And yeah, that, that makes things tricky. For Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then we've also got um, Tamara Morrison and Nicole... Sh- oh, gosh. Scherzinger. Nicole Sch- Scherzinger as yeah. both of Moana, you know, Moana's parents. And then Rachel House as... Grandma Tala. And then we have a couple others. Um, the What seems to be the film's antagonist, which is a 50-foot crab, voiced by Jermaine Clement. Yay! <laughs> yeah. That's... He's great. <laughs> I have to say, I wasn't expecting... Uh, I can't say I was expecting a actual villain, quote-unquote villain, in this movie, but you know what? Now that I know it's this big, giant crab, I'm just kind of curious, like, huh... I, I kind of just want to see where they're going to go with this now. It's a, it's it's also it's a Ron Clements and John Musker film, so there's going to be a big mm. like they did Great Mouse Detective, um, right, Little Mermaid, right. Aladdin, um, uh, Princess and the Frog. 
you know. All really good villains in those movies. So there you go. I think I'm, I think this is going to be good. I'm happy to see Jermaine Clement doing more voice acting because he's awesome. He's, he's so great. Good. I also I also like how it's kind of like uh, regionally appropriate. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. He's he's actually I believe he is um, half Maori or maybe right. So there yeah, go. there you go. Um, yeah, virtually, virtually everyone is, um, is yeah, they, they, they've gone out of the way to cast people with the right, with the right ethnic background most of the, most of the time. Mm-hmm. There is, there is one obvious exception. Is that the chicken? Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> is that, a, oh, Alan Tudyuk is something, right? He's, yeah. he's, he is the chicken. Right, he, okay. He is Walt Disney Animation Studios' lucky charm now. He is the John Ratzinger. Ratzenberg, Ratz, Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. He's the, yeah. He's the Judd Ratzenberger of what well, Disney Animation Studios. You just yes, have to have it. So even if it means he's just voicing a chicken. <laughs> a chicken that is apparently yeah. the village idiot. Um, oh, so good. You know what? I accept this. I accept all of this. It's beautiful. I am... I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm ready, Disney. I'm ready for this movie now. I. I already yeah, love the chicken yeah. and the pig already. Oh, the pig. Yeah, they've already made like plenty of plush toys of that pig. Oh, you bet they have. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just love how it. I still don't have any clue what the heck the movie's about. I tell you what, like... it's not about. It's not about romance. That's what it's not about. Thank goodness. Well. Is it not? Definitely not. They've announced that she won't have she won't have a love interest in the film. Okay. Of course. That's great. Tumblr won't care. Um, <laughs> Tumblr will be like, "Hey, The Rock," and, and that's and that's going to be kind of skeevy. But hey, Tumblr. Just now. I don't get what you're. Tumblr. At. Tumblr can just do what it wants. Tumblr can do one. No one will ever take it seriously. (laughs) Tumblr can do one. But what are you getting... Sorry, Chris, what are you getting at? Well, they've made a... They have specifically made the announcement that she won't have a love interest in it. So Mm -hmm. we don't know exactly what it's about, but we know that's not the... Which has been, you know, for the past few films, it's not been the driving point. That's one of the whole points of Frozen, is it's not about romance. But I think it's because, yeah, it's funny. All of it. I don't know if it's because it actually turns people off, or whether it's just done so badly most of the time that people think that they don't want it in the movie. When I I know, I think like there there will come an animated movie that will have a really great romance story in it, and then people are going to start trying them again. I reckon. Mm. Well, it really, I think it, it, it might also come down to the fact that there have been a majority of the, you know, Disney princess line movies where a majority of the princesses in question all hook up at the end with somebody. So right. it's, it could it could be a possibility that they're basically trying to combat that idea, the fact that each and every one of these princess, quote unquote princesses have to, you know hook up with somebody at the end and maybe, maybe they're trying to go for the whole you know strong independent woman does not need a man 
mentality, so we're not going to yeah. give I mean, the usually, heroine a love interest if it's not needed in the story. Yeah, usually the love interests are really bad, boring characters. Just flat, really. The, the old Disney animators never used to like animating those guys because mm-hmm. they were just like real, you know, um, plain, boring characters. Mm-hmm. I feel that... So it, it could be that. I feel that's kind of a thing, like, in with things... Things that have got female lead, quite often the the um, the love interest, male love interest, is just really dull or bland, yeah. Or even sometimes, like in the case of a lot of anime, it's actually someone you're like, I I hate that man. He's terrible. <laughs> he deserves. <laughs> yeah. And and that sort of ruin. Well, it affects a lot of films. And oh shows, yeah, it I does. Think. It does in hindsight. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, when you see a bunch of like a bunch of those different kinds of stories done badly, it kind of could disillusion you from the whole idea of just having you know, just a well-written romance included in a story. But it just you have to know what you're doing with it. Yeah. And there yeah, was... but this looks like a great adventure movie. I'm I know. Yeah. All the, That's the, little, water. the little hints of you know, like these crazy like animals and things that they encounter. Mm. And the spirits too, like they mentioned, they showed in that one um, in the international trailer, just the the image of Baby Moana walking up to the the beach, and then the the water actually coming to life. That whole, just that whole couple seconds of animation, just was really kind of that was what really got me on board for this. Kind of, yeah, kind of. I I had a couple flashbacks to Flubber. But, uh... Well, I can see, I can see that. No, it was, no, it looks lovely. <laughs> and but also, yeah. it's also a musical, isn't it? With the um, Mr. Hamilton is Man. Lim- <laughs> yes. Is it Limoa? Is it really? Yes. Oh, I thought it was Bobby Lopez again. Nope. He's oh. he's doing gigantic. Okay. Cool. So, Which, oh, all right, it, before we move on to um, what we've watched, uh, Dan, did you, I believe you had something that you would like to mention as part of our news. I believe it was a uh, Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just a Kickstarter. Um, um, it's a French uh, animation team who uh, they're, they're, they've made or are making um, a series called Last Man, uh, which is kind of like it's the the anime as they kind of as they call it is <laughs> going to be a prequel to um a comic series called last man uh and yeah it's basically it was being like made and uh with with the intention that it was going to be released on a french uh like cable channel and for whatever reason, that that funding or something has happened where that's fallen through. So it's been moved on to Kickstarter basically just to get the funding in a similar way to um, like Little Witch Academia was where ah, of course. it kind of it had a studio and a producer attached, but not the backing of, you know, um, uh, st- studio kind of money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is the appeal to basically to 
people that could help support them in order to get the get everything made. Yeah, I, they've they've reached their first goal, which is which is awesome, but they have like a long way to go. I think they need to raise like three hundred and twenty five grand. Wow, that euros. is a lot. Yeah, so um, they really need all the help you can get. But if you go on the Kickstarter page, you can see like some previews of what they've done already, and these guys are amazing. Um, uh, I think it's, it's directed by. Um, uh, Jeremy Perra, and but he's he's done like lots of like music videos, and he's a really talented, talented guy. And and the reason it's kind of been hard for them to make is because it's like once again like an attempt to make animation for adults. So that's kind of why it's relevant to us because yeah. it's it's specifically not for kids. It's um, you know. It's, it's, try, it's, it's trying to be a mature uh, show for adults, which just happens to be animated. All the more reason to make sure that it, it gets the support it needs. So I believe yes. I'm looking at the Kickstarter page right now, and it looks like as of the you know the day we're recording this episode on the 31st of July, it is currently at 23 days left for fun you know for getting supporters. Mm-hmm. So. If you're listening to this, want to get give go ahead and take a look. We'll include the Kickstarter link in the show notes and go ahead and take a look at what they got. And if you want to support it, by all means, do so. Uh, there was one other bit out of Comic Con that I just wanted to mention okay. on the ba- on the basis that I actually I watched it and I'm um and I, I'd just like to I'd like to say to the listeners. And and readers and fellow host everyone, I hope you appreciate the sacrifices I make. But I watched the uh, new Sausage Party trailer. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> um, they released a new Red Band trailer for that, and they also had screenings at Comic Con, and there were mm. some very positive reviews. Which there I, were, yeah. Which I'm, I'm sort of, still, um, yeah. So it didn't actually make me laugh at all which is possibly not a good sign for a comedy but i know some things don't really work in trailers like yeah to... people said that about the ghostbusters trailers that they didn't exactly make them I, I and def... then it turns out they just they were terrible trailers mm. well i think i think generally paul feig's films don't aren't very easy to make good funny trailers out of because if you just take a bit out of context it's not very funny but, I mean, you know, with other films, you can just take a bit straight out of context that someone falling on their bottom. They go, ah, that's funny, put it in the trailer. And they basically take all the, tra- all the jokes out of the film and put it in the trailer. But with, um, you know, with Ghostbusters, I was constantly laughing the whole time, pretty much. So <laughs> even though the trailer wasn't funny. Um, so it's possible, but I have my suspicions that uh, sausage party may not be great uh, to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's ugly, so ugly. <laughs> the designs, um, and I know I know there's this thing about it being a parody of a Pixar movie, but it feels more like you know a a um, lesser DreamWorks film, to be honest, like B movie or um, uh, Shark Tale. Um, well, and. It's it's funny you're saying that because basically 
like being fair to the movie, like that's the challenge that a film like this has is that it's not going to look like a Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't really think that's why people are going to go and see it either. It's not the thing like, I, I, I honestly, I think we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but I don't think American audiences on a whole really go to movies for that uh, animated movies for that. Because when you look at, um, uh, TV animation, the most popular stuff is the stuff that's with, that has like the simplest animation and sometimes just horrible animation. Like, you know, it's, it's not the priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I see what you're saying. I mean, the, the proof with a lot of the different cartoons that are coming out in the U.S., I mean, a lot of them are, like, combining, like, really simplistic, like, character designs, but they're throwing in, like, they're trying different things with the animation, at least, so, at least to an extent that, you know, what they're trying is still visually interesting, even though the character designs may be your, your traditional kind of, kind of cartoony characters. Like, for the instance, like, um, using, like, Steven Universe or Wander Over Yonders, like, Generally, the animation used for those shows is, I mean, in terms of the character designs, it's, you know, pretty standard U.S., you know, cartoons. But at the same time, like, their environments or backgrounds or ideas that are being used in those that are a little bit more advanced, I guess like you could say. Yes. Yeah. More experimental. But the thing is, like, I think Chris is, is sort of um, focusing on something else, and it's a general lack of appeal, right? Need, I, I, okay, I, I, I know what it's, yeah, I know what you mean by that now. It kind of like looks like ugly. something you'd see. <laughs> yeah, well, the characters kind of look like something you'd see at like a Spike and Mike festival. Well, um, not even, or something that was, well, no, the I character, know, but... yeah, like the yeah. character, more like something that you'd see that was um, shipped overseas and done um, in, you know, some workhouse, like for a quarter of the amount of money. You know, like without any, right? I mean, I, I I I know what you get. I think that's kind of unfair. I mean, I think it's more like it reminds me of how, like, uh, the like old Nickelodeon stuff kind of used to look. But that's dated. Was... Those those rigs were oh, yeah. limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they didn't it, have the technology. It's not appeal in the in the sense that you would like that would pass at Disney, but it's kind of like how I don't know, like how mad magazine used to be illustrated or something. Mm, but those it's had like, design, you know, I mean, there's, it's one thing to be intentionally ugly. That's the line I think, right. It's one thing to be intentionally ugly, like something like those like box trolls characters and like, uh, were supposed to be intentionally, but they still had crazy appeal. <laughs> And then, then mm. on the other hand, you have um, characters that are just not designed well. Like, they're poorly designed. And, and also... Yeah. And it, it generally looks like something that's done to, like, save money. And I don't know if that was on purpose or... Do you mean, do you mean with the actual... Um, hang on. Like, do you mean, like, the rendering or the... The um, character the design. Lighting? The, the actual design. design. Yeah. The design, yeah, I, I think, i got to say, I think the the fact that, like, the main character is 
ha, you know has like white glove hands mm-hmm. is kind of a no is kind of a clue that they're going for like some strange kind of throwbacky you know they look like the let's all go to the lobby kind of yeah <laughs> you know I uh, will I, I will say that that that, that kind of design did, I did picked up on that but is still. But they also kind of have that sort of rip-off feel. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that, that <laughs> obviously, because, you know, I'm a huge supporter of international animation. I'm not saying that um, animation in other countries is bad in CG. I'm just saying that there is stuff done in workhouses where people are totally yeah. underpaid, taken advantage of, and what comes out of there is subpar because of that fact, right? Um but it also has that quality as well. <laughs> when it comes to things like this, I'm 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 kind of like wary and I struggle not to be cynical because of um basically I'll be I'll be watching like really carefully to see how Seth Rogen and the writer and the other writers or whoever produced it worked with the animation studio and whether it was kind of whether it was a true collaboration right or whether it was like as you're kind of saying like an outsourcing deal where we're the funny guys we've done the voices we've done the story now draw (laughs) now draw 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 Mm -hmm. who knows i i don't um who i'm not i don't even know who the uh and it may be completely done on purpose i don't know it's kind of you know it's interesting and also it doesn't make any sense in the trailer, you just go in this trailer. There's a there's a bit where there's a there's a toilet roll, and he's like, "Uh, oh, you don't want to know what I've been through." And it's like, so not yeah, just you, not yeah, just food, you... not just foods conscious, also toilet rolls. And apparently, the bad guy is a little douche. Um, oh, oh, I, oh, okay, right. And it's that like, level of, of humour doesn't make any sense i mean no. it's it's like when you try and analyze the cars movies or whatever mm-hmm. it's like it makes you know, it make, we've, we've tried that hang on, it makes you sense don't... if there's maybe food has feelings that's fine that's your concept but then what everything just everything <laughs> is alive the to- so the toilet roll he's saying yeah. that the guy picked so like you don't want, you don't want to know what he did to me did he because with toilet roll you tear off a piece, right? Yeah. So did it this guy like take the whole toilet roll for some reason and wipe his ass? That? You know what? It's like someone taking. I'm out not your... sure. I want to know. Because if someone took out your hair, which would be like the equivalent, I guess. Like if someone took out your hair and did something with your hair, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't... "Oh, you don't want to know yeah. what they did with me," and you you weren't attached to it at the time. So what is that? Or maybe it's more like ripping skin off you, because then you'd be like, "Ah, I'm um... scared." Mm. Oh wow! Maybe but they whatever. I don't think they they haven't thought it through anyway. Mm. Nitrogen um, Studios Canada, I guess, is doing the bulk of the animation, and I okay. guess. So yeah, just just appreciate people that I watched <laughs> that trailer for you because yes. I love you, yes. and that's that I I put myself through that. So hey, wow! Thank you, Chris. Sort of intrigued. Oh. <laughs> suffering for our sake <laughs> but um I, other than that you know ending on a particularly sour note unfortunately we can move on to something a bit more fun 
So, you know, talking about stuff that we watched these past two weeks, I guess, because it's been a while since our last episode. So, Chris, do you want to lead off? Okay. And I, I would just say that the people don't know, because we still had an episode come out last week, because we had the two, the twofer the, of the... Um, uh, oh, right. Whoops. So, so people had, had an uninterrupted thing. So we've actually been we've actually been off two weeks, but it only sounds like we've been off just normal length. Um, <laughs> perfect, just perfectly timed episode release. Yeah. Um, so so I've had quite a while to watch stuff, <laughs> and uh, I so I've watched quite a few things, but I won't go on into detail about too much of it. Um, okay. Last time we talked about um, the Emmy Award nominations, and there was a there was an animated series that we hadn't heard of called Supermansion that right. got that got nominations for uh, Brian Cranston and um so what else uh, I think Ke- Keegan Michael Key Oh um, yeah right 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 Uh so I decided to find out what what this deal is with this and it's actually strange this is surprising it's actually a Crackle original uh the Sony streaming video series so it's streaming video site. Um, so you know it's it's not even Netflix or Hulu or whatever. It's really obscure, crackle, um, and it's a stop motion animation done by Stupid Buddy Studios, who are the people behind um, Robot Chicken, and it's from one of the creators of Robot Chicken, and it is a superhero show, unsurprisingly, um, where there's like Given a the trend. yeah, like an Avengers type team. Um, <laughs> But Brian Cranston's character is is he's old is the joke. Uh, ah. <laughs> he's got old and yeah, people are like, oh, he's old. He's too old to be a superhero now. And there's also there's a character called um, uh, there's a character who is basically the Captain America equivalent. Um, he's from the forties and he brings sort of forties attitudes with him because this is an adult animation. Uh, so <laughs> he's got outdated ideas. And that he's voiced by Keegan-Michael Key, and um, Brian Cranston voices the old guy. And there's also a... There's a sort of cat woman uh, called... Femme Fatale? No, you know, like a literal cat woman. Oh, <laughs> she's, okay. She's a humanoid cat. Like um, cat. From uh, Red Dwarf, yeah, uh, she's one of the like the team of Avengers type thing, and there's a robot. Uh, and in the first episode, he discovers that he was made by someone called with James Finkelstein or something, and then he becomes Jewbot. Yeah, mm. uh, okay. And that's a bit okay. We we're going with the Jewish jokes again. Are we are we? Because it's so edgy. I, I quite like so how the, I quite like how in the actual design they've used springs for the cars. <laughs> quite novel. Um. Yeah. And it it's all right. I watched a couple of episodes. It, you know, it's it is sometimes. Oh, look, we are edgy. Ooh. <laughs> but I I quite like the animation style. Uh, and it it was entertaining enough. At, I wouldn't say that by any means that, like, I know it's Brian Cranston and he's good, but I wouldn't say, like, oh, this is one of the most amazing voice performances of the year in animation or anything. Um, Tegan Michael Key, he's cool. 
he's really good as the um you wouldn't rec you wouldn't recognize him uh i only discovered like by the credits that it was him um ah. but it's it's on crackle uh, if you want to watch it it's it's all right it's not the best thing ever it's how do i get crackle that's i'm actually it was available in the uk but i'm not sure if it is anymore i might have only been able to get it because i've got the unblocker thing on because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, i used well I, I had crackle on my playstation 3 right uh, used, yeah there was an app so i don't know that still works <laughs> i was watching it on my pc mm. um so you might not be able to get it in the uk normally i'm not sure but in the us at least and probably canada you can get crackle and watch supermansion if you like would you say that it would like people who've seen robot chicken and other stuff produced by that studio would they enjoy this but the sort of my my obsession of the week <laughs> that i've been watching is series three of bojack horseman is now on netflix and i have tried to ration myself a bit but i've got one episode left now <laughs> Before uh, you must wait for more, or is that is yeah. that it, it? That's it. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I think I think there'll be more seasons, but I I feel I feel quite. You know, if you're one of those people who like watched a couple of episodes and like uh, I don't know and gave up, and then you heard people who were like, no, you've got to keep watching. It gets amazing, and I know that's a hard thing to take because you know there's so much stuff out there now that it feels like. Why should you have to get through bits mm -hmm. that aren't so great? But mm -hmm. I think it'd be interesting to go back to those early episodes, like knowing what you know, and see if they still are not so great, or whether in context you're like, no, I, this is just how it needs to start. Um, but the series three gets into so it continues to get into some like really dark stuff, and it also does all the um, the does all the um hollywood spoofing really well um but what really gets me is the way that it's in one way it's like this most sophisticated um comedy that goes into areas that you couldn't imagine and then there's all these really silly pure <laughs> jokes that could come out of an Ardman animation all the animal gags and everything that i feel bad that i said at the beginning i didn't like and now i now they're just the best just things, <laughs> things like Manatee Fair and things like that, and, and and like there was one I was watching today where there was a um I'm 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 not fully as caught up with the series as you are. I'm on like I got like four episodes to go or something, but like there's a joke about like um there's a valet that's a snail, <laughs> <laughs> just stupid stuff like that where this poor woman is sat waiting and they and they cut back to her like they they use this establishing shot um like throughout the episode and there's mm. just this woman waiting for her car um to be parked and then she gets it back and it's like all covered in like uh snail slime <laughs> and they keep doing this flashback to like 2007 and it's like all these oh my god, <laughs> oh my god that's these, so they're... good <laughs> There's all these jokes like there's a um there's a sign for a a Wii remote um wrist strap. Yeah. Wii remote wrist wrap um there's like a wrist Wii remote wrist wrap warehouse or whatever as a shop. 
It's just like <laughs> he's all he's all the things that we that we're we're going to reference in two thousand and seven and stuff like that. Um, and there's just and there's this episode. There's this. I don't want to give away too much, but there's um there's one episode that's mainly silent, and it's it goes to a film festival, and it's just amazing. <laughs> You've seen that one, Dan, obviously, because it's like the third episode in. That yeah, I pretty much I I heard about that they did a silent episode, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm in, and I buzzed through like the first three just to get to this episode, pretty much, and it and it was worth it. It was just like one of those class. It, it's it's almost like it. You don't really need to. It works out of context. Like mm-hmm. it, it works as a standalone episode. Fine. Yeah, totally. And I think like it's probably going to be you know like their Emmy nomination episode, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I it's great, it's great. And there's this one episode that I watched uh, yesterday, I think, um, where there is a um, there is a whiteboard with writing on it, and just there are so many jokes on that <laughs> whiteboard. It's amazing. You could just like. If you if if you could um, do a screen cap of it and just read them all, it'd be there's probably like more laughs in that than some entire comedy seasons. It's just amazing. That's <laughs> and, really cool. And a lot of it's like basically just amazing satire of like um, like Hollywood stuff. And oh yeah, yeah, I really I really like that actually because it is a show that's all about like this guy who who. Um, who for him like happiness hinges on his success mm. in Hollywood and his friends Hollywood. Are, like a- sorry Hollywood, Hollywood sorry yes <laughs> Hollywood and like you know another main character um is an agent and after a while you know you could if you were really not into that get quite irritated and they and they give I think they they're very aware of that and they kind of uh they make lots of jokes at the expense of people who, who work in that sphere. Yeah, but it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, then um, I have a question for you, Chris. Sorry, sorry. I have a question, if you don't mind. Okay. So I'm halfway through this season right now, right, and. It doesn't really have so much of a through line uh, as much as like the last season because the last season, the season two was kind of all about um, him getting the Secretariat movie made. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just wondered if in the last few episodes there's just a bit more continuity, I guess, or whether the episodes are a little bit more. Um, unrelated almost well it's the sort of award season thing is the through line of this one I think it's um, right right I think that is what the um, that is the connecting thing um, yeah and I'm just it does it also ties in really closely to the last season as well I think so mm-hmm. things come back so who would like to go next and share Something that they've watched? <laughs> Raise your hand, anybody? 
Oh. <laughs> oh, do we have to raise our hands? We have. We can raise our hands to. now, but we can. <laughs> all right, Dan, that's all you. Um, it's kind of related to to animation. Uh, no, it is quite a lot. Okay. Um, I I saw the BFG uh, last week, um, which I know was released in the US at the start of July, but we got it last week. Um, so it's it's news to me. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, How is it? I, in short, I loved it. Yay! It was the best version of that story I've I've seen. I, I was really? never. There was a cartoon. Um, I think it was it made by Cosgrove Hall, Chris. It know? was indeed. It's their one. It's their one feature length. Well, right. actually, aside from they did a feature length Wind in the Willows as well, but it's their one. I remember seeing way back when and really enjoying it. I Is remember that seeing that way back then and it was it was really weird like I was a really huge Roald Dahl fan as a kid and all of the movies that I saw were really disappointing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was or whether I, I really don't know what it was but I was never massively fond of like the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka movie um I think the the ones that could have that sort of caught my imagination were James and the Giant Peach, yeah. um, and Matilda, and I guess the witches was good because it's just how creepy it was. But um, I was never that fond anyway of like the BFG cartoon because um, it was it was a lower budget thing and it was like a made for TV movie. But anyway, yeah. um, so this new one. Um, it was directed by Steven Spielberg, and it was written by um, Melissa Matheson, who also wrote E.T., among oh. lots of other things. And unfortunately, she died before the film was completed, so oh. it was uh, her last uh, screenplay. Oh. And, um, yeah, it's if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the story, it's about... Um, it's very simple, like... The thing that I loved about it so much was that it was a really refreshing, it was a refreshingly like stripped down story. It just starts with this girl just being kidnapped by a giant, <laughs> and then she's taken to yeah. giant country, and she learns that this giant is in fact really not that evil or um, compared to the other evil ones or mean at all. Yeah, and he's kind of like. A, He's kind of the odd one out amongst the giants. He's a lot smaller than everyone else, and he's a bit of an outcast. Um, and the giant is played by Mark Rylance. Yeah. And he just... The performance is is amazing. He absolutely understands how to play that character. He has all of the, the, the sort of... Um, the naive, like vulnerability like absolutely pitch perfect Mm. um and and it's and it's achieved through um motion capture yeah uh and it's kind of like you know um spielberg uh did a motion capture movie before with tintin right yeah uh, which was you know which which had successful moments but as a whole, I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of always at a little bit of a distance with it. 
and always no it wasn't it wasn't just you i have it was very similar for me i it's was like always was... quite aware that i was watching something that had been manufactured in that way mm-hmm. i was constantly aware of the process basically I it just to... didn't it was a movie that didn't really sit you know it was like you watched it and you may have enjoyed it it was a good action flick but it's just mm-hmm. like it just didn't really didn't really linger in your memory unfortunately i really liked it actually <laughs> Aww, I really, I really liked it for what it was, but it there there were there there were certainly things that still needed to be ironed out with the process that they were using. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, and and that was uh, um, handled by Weta, and so is the BFG. And in just like a few years later. I think they're getting a lot closer to making it work because you know I was I was watching the BFG and you, you know sometimes when the special effect is so good you just forget. Yeah. I mean, I think for most people it happened with Gollum, where you just forgot that he was like a CG character and and he was just another person in the movie. Yeah. No, that's, that's kind of case. that's kind of where the CG was for me with the BFG where, I mean, obviously there are a few moments here and there where um, he's picking Sophie live action character up in his hands and they can't quite, quite get the lighting and the compositing and the tracking perfect. So it looks like she's really, you know, um, solidly interacting with him. But the rest of the time it's, it's pretty seamless, and uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. And if, yeah. I mean, I was, I was always kind of wary of 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 motion capture because because I don't know because I was and like with the Jungle Book and now the BFG, it's it's getting a lot closer to something that um, that works. Definitely. And and I th- and I it, it it seems to me like there's been an understanding that there needs to be a degree of exaggeration for it to work, and the attempt mm-hmm. to straight capture uh, motion as it actually is in the world doesn't really work, and there needs to be some sort of reinterpretation on part of the CG team for it to sit in the right context. It's, it's a very hard thing to explain, but the fact it is, for, like, for me, it me, worked. Yeah, it sounds like to me, it's like there's, it's more of a less relying on the technology to just pick up the movements, but then once you have the movements, like, okay, what do you do with them in process of actually bringing this animation to life? It, be, it requires an understanding of being able to know how to use those movements and able to make them convincing in animation. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've spoken with... Um... With some with some people I know who work in motion capture, and it's like the key words always seem to be, you know, interpreting that data. Yeah, it comes in really raw. I mean, I've done it just for previous stuff, and um, and even mm-hmm. though the technology is just getting amazing and and like way more. I mean, it used to be just floaty, um, and now you really yeah. you still get weight. So, um, but the only thing is, it sort of goes back to it. Sort of goes back to like. 
um, staging and clear silhouette and just clarity of movement in general and um, directed to the mm-hmm. camera. Because the other thing to consider is that, um, well, not so much with actors in like bigger movies because they're obviously professional actors acting to the camera. <laughs> but in general, in motion capture, you know, if you just have someone sort of moving around in a room, they're not necessarily um, picking the best acting choices you know, and acting toward camera for clear silhouette and stuff. I mean, that said, you could still move yeah. things around, but really it is about like taking that raw data and then, um, you know, creating, there's a, la- there are layers of animation on top of that, um, motion capture always, um, no matter how good the, uh, the technology gets, there's tons of layers of, of animation on top of that original. And sometimes it's changed altogether. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that, that's that's true. And if anyone's able to get that, I think it's Spielberg, because there are moments in the movie where it just turns into quite pure fantasy, and he he's kind of got the production design tilted in just the right sort of Roald Dahlish kind of direction for wow. it to not be in the real world. So you're not concerned with like oh this doesn't feel realistic because nothing in the movie is quite realistic mm-hmm. hmm. i'm really glad that it's, it, it turned out so well because i remember when i first saw the trailers it was like part of me was like really wanted to see it because that was always one of my favorite stories out of the whole world all book series and mm-hmm. but at the same time part of me was a little reserved, like, you know, like, oh, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to get this right, you know, since they've been doing a lot of, you know, reimaginings of, you know, movies as reimaginings of books and stories, and just like, is that, you know... So it's a, a really reserved, good but... adaptation. There are a couple of changes, but by and large, it's it's really as simple as the book, and they've I really... Don't mind, I don't mind changes if in regards to adaptations, especially for movies, if you need to add, you know, change things from a mm-hmm. book. But as long, like I said, as long as the whole by and, you know, by large, you know, the whole thing still gets the point of the story across, then yeah, that's all right. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, for me, the spirit of it is, is absolutely there. Sweet. It, it didn't do well in America at all. Um, <sighs> and I wonder if hopefully it's going to be better received here because I, I think, you know, I think people here are probably more attached to... Yeah, it's impossible for me to say, like, whether it works for someone who's not read the book. Because yeah. it is... I mean, I have heard, like, people say that it's um, like minor Spielberg, whatever that means, because it's... Um, its scope is actually quite cosy. It's not trying to be an epic story. No, and it's not... <laughs> Exactly, but 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 unfortunately, certain audiences might regard that and say that's a weakness. Like, why is this not the most spectacular thing? I've paid, you know, for my family, <laughs> I've paid thirty dollars, and we want to see, you know, that's how people you know receive the product, I guess, of mm. the movie. They're spoiled, is what they are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just enjoy the movie, guys. But yeah, it really was like refreshingly, yeah, quite pure and, and fun. And that's pretty much what I've been watching. Really cool. Thanks for sharing that. And Bojack. <laughs> and Bojack. <laughs> and Bojack. And I'll and I'll get to the end. I I uh, I actually watched the tail end of season two because I never finished it. 
this oh, week right. as well. And like the last episode of season two, like really blew me away. And <laughs> it's it's kind of infuriating how like there are a couple of like okay to middling episodes, and then just like they pull an amazing one out of the bag that that really um, dives into the character. And uh, yeah, I want another episode like that in season three. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yvonne, would you like to go next, or? Uh, sure, if you want. I, I uh, haven't. I'm trying to think. I know I've watched some stuff, but I can't bring it. I can't bring it to mind. But um, I've been. Well, I, I do know you said you. I believe you mentioned that you uh, off offline that you uh, had something that you've been doing recently that uh, might be relevant to the. Oh yes. Conversation. Well, definitely. But uh, let's, yeah, let's go with that. yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've been so. I was so. First of all, I was just so um, busy with the Animation Nights New, New York uh, Best of Fest stuff that because um, it's just so much to do um, that I was. I started to feel like um, I needed a vacation, but I could take one. <laughs> so instead, I um, I decided to play some video games <laughs> for like a day and just. Very nice. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was. I said that to you in an email, like, play some video games, because um, it really helped. Um, so first of all, what I played, and this is second. This is second from the other thing that I was doing today. Um, is I played. Uh, I played uh, Seven Days to Die. It was ported to the PS4, and um, mm. and that um, I've totally played it on like easy level. So basically, it's like a crap. <laughs> the way I was playing it because I was just trying to relax with um, adrenaline rushes occasionally is um, it was yeah. a crafting game <laughs> where you like basically yeah. build forts, you know, and, um, and then zombies attack it. <laughs> and um, oh, wow. yeah. And if you play it like that, it's actually, there's something very relaxing about it. I don't know what it is, <laughs> um, but it's like, cause it's like you're challenged and you know, you still scavenge and it's really fun. And then, you know, you're like run away from zombies and still have to fight and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that first and that was really fun. And then the other thing that happened is, um, you know, we're incorporating some VR experiences um, into the Annie Best Fest animation, A and N Y Best Fest, and uh, and we have uh, I'm working with Reverie VR and um, and a couple other people, and uh, it should be really amazing. But I've been wanting to get an HTC Vive, and so I just went ahead and did it for research purposes, quote unquote. Oh, <laughs> that would check it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then, you know, one dumb thing I did is um, I ran the, you know, because I've been talking about this for quite a while, and I, the HTC Vive was the one that I had my eye on, and um, <laughs> I... I ran the I ran the tester program, you know, via Steam. Like, does how does your computer, you know, sort out like will it can handle it? Can it handle VR? And I I was it like in the green. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Like, instead of looking up my graphics card and seeing what I actually had, I mean, I put the computer together myself. You know what I mean? So I should know, but I, of course I don't remember. And um, and or even how many years ago it was since I last since I built the last one. So, come to find out, I get the thing in the mail, set it all up, and um, my graphics card is, like, way too old. (laughs) So, I know, but luckily, um, my motherboard could handle um, a bit of an upgrade, which could accommodate the thing, and so um, I did all of that, and it was an exciting day, just the other day, um, when everything was plugged in and turned on, and nothing, um, you know, 
the computer didn't burst into flames. <laughs> so I've yeah I've been doing some uh, HTC Vive research, um, and it has been incredible. I tell you what, uh, the last game that I played, um, I didn't play it all the way through yet. I, but two of my favorites, um, one was um, Vanishing uh, Realms, which actually I just reached out to the creator of that game. It was created by one person, I think. Really? Um, yeah, a guy from Valve, uh, who was a sound designer, and um, I, I'm not 100% certain, but I, I read that in a forum when I was, you know, sort of like researching what games, you know, people were loving um, to get an idea of what I should check out, what was available, and um, and this one got a lot of good reviews, and a couple people, you know, were grumpy about it. You know, it's, honestly, like, it's not... First of all, um, with regard to, like, the, um, the HCC... Vive, you know, you set up uh, sensors in your room. You have to, you have three options. You you can sit in a chair. You can just stand. Um, ideally, you want some extra space, which in New York City is a little bit tough to come by. I, I actually have a huge apartment by New York standards, um, which means that I have a little bit of a play area, um, but not much of one, right? But it's still, like, way more than most. Um, so... Uh, you set up the sensors, and then there's a headset that you put um, on your face. It's like the size of uh, a ski mask or like a diving mask, um, you know, in the, f- the front part with a cushion. And then um, there are two controllers, one for each hand. And um, and there's ha- the haptics on the controller are, I mean, it's really amazing. But And the, and the tracking is pretty incredible, I have to say. Um but I, the game that I played, uh, or played part of today, the uh, Vanishing Realms, is incredible. I mean, it, it's it's a lot like uh, sort of. It reminded me of sort of older World of Warcraft, um, the visuals and graphics. But um, like once you're in the game, you're just you get lost. Like you you believe. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, suddenly they have the, the menu items, like your, your, reg- your health and um, mana and, and, uh, and gold, right, <laughs> is, is there in front of you. And then you have two pouches, and it sits around your midsection. It, oh, so you can actually look down. Yeah, you like... There it is. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, because it's designed by someone who is um, really big into Dungeons and & Dragons and Zelda. And it's got these elements, like the little gold coins float in front of you after you've killed something, and you go and touch them. And they're floating right in front of your face. And and that's the thing, like, it, it, like, you just, I, as soon as I was in the environment, I was just like, oh my freaking god. Like, you don't care that it's a little bit cartoony, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Like, you're in the game. It's like, ooh, it, it's already magical. <laughs> <laughs> but and in the game wow. itself, honestly, like you know, if it was something that was just on um, PS4 or, or PC, like it'd be like, uh, okay, this is a little bit. It doesn't matter. Like not right now, anyway. Like it's all. I had the most boring, ridiculous, dumb fight um, with a group of bad guys who were all sort of waiting for me to walk up and approach them. <laughs> and um, you know what I mean? Like, but fine. Like right now, you can shoot with a bow and arrow. Like. Oh my god. You have your your cartoony sword in your hand and your shield <laughs> and the haptics on the controller, you know, vibrate as arrows strike your shield. Oh my god. 
goodness. And at one point, I kind of broke it. I broke the game because you the the way you get about is um, you you use because you know again the control is is limited and and they haven't really you know they had to figure out some way of like getting around the game. So basically, you're like pointing and clicking um, on the floor with one a separate set of buttons and um, moving along that way. But honestly, for like the fantasy games, it's kind of perfect because it's as though you have you have like wizardry abilities, right? And you're <laughs> just like porting. It's like a tiny little mini portal, you know. That's what oh, it I seems like. So you're just popping from one point to the the next and. And honestly, I think it's also going to sort of calibrate our brains for um, quick cuts in VR content. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's my, my thinking, like, as I was playing the thing. But, um, you know, at this point, you know, with this particular game, you do have to, like, go straight up to the bad guys and have your little sword fight. And, yeah, it's not that complicated. And there's actually another game that I want to try um, tonight if I – unless I – yeah, I'll probably just do it and um, deal with get up extra early tomorrow and deal with the work I have. <laughs> but um, there's this one called. Uh, there's another game called. I can't remember. I just looked at it. I just downloaded a demo for it. Basically, um, you're in an office and robots have taken over, and you're um, in a battle with them, and you're trying to. They're trying to kill you. You're trying to sneak around, and there's more of a. Um, you know, um, you have to sneak and dodge and duck. That's the other thing. You totally, because of the sensors, you're like dodging and ducking when you're having arrows shot at you. You're physically dodging. Yes. And then, okay, so that was amazing. So, and then the other, um, I'm still finishing that. And the other game that I really loved was, um, it's, uh, it was escape the room and it's just a, it's a short little game, really short, but, um, it just, and, you know, the whole graphic content was, you know, okay. But, it, again, it didn't matter because the thing is, it was just like, it was like immersive theater combined with an old point-and-click puzzle game. It's exactly what it was. And um, so you're in a, a tiny room, which is perfect because you can't really move around that much anyway. So it gives you real immersion because you're already limited in space. <clears throat> this way you're limited in space in the game. And you're just looking for clues to get out of the room. <laughs> yeah, kind of like one of those escape, those escape room uh, yeah. attractions. Ex- places. Huh. Which I've always wanted to do. But anyway, and I haven't. But um, but this is like a virtual version of that. So you're going around picking up uh, objects, looking at books, looking at cans, and um, and generally, and the controllers either in that game they just it's just the controllers that you use to pick stuff up. Um, in some games, there are um, hands which are super creepy because they cut off at the wrist, and you can as you hold the controllers Ooh. up, you can see like the cut off. <laughs> so there are these oh two floating hands that can um, open and close when you hit the trigger buttons. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I looked at a ton of stuff. There's actually the other really wild one was um, there's a demo uh, for, um, uh, what's it called? It's called Trials of Tatooine. Um, obviously, Star Wars. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, a Star Wars little tiny mini game, um, but it's freaking cool because <laughs> you're there and, you know, Millennium Falcon comes, flies over, drops off R2-D2. 
you like you get to use a lightsaber uh, that's enough no. yeah yeah no. oh my yeah it's it's so short but it like doesn't even matter and it's it's free right now actually on steam but it was oh. nuts 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 and so yeah um it was really hilarious and you get yeah you get caught up i mean a couple times i did hit things in my apartment in the working <laughs> studio but it was like I said. <laughs> it, I I just thought the haptics were really good, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, that's my bookshelf. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 to be expected with this kind of technology, you know, first being tested for home use. It, it's gonna happen, right? Yeah, because you reach out and you like hit something, and you're like, what? Oh, oh, wait, where am I? Um, yeah. Yeah, it it, it, ta- it takes you out of the experience, and it's like, oh wait, that's that's. That's what's actually there. Yeah, That's what I believe to be there. It, seriously, it's it's nuts. I mean, it's really incredible. I mean, that said, you know, and I have problem using one of the like it was an upgrade for me, but it was it's actually one of the lower end cards. Um, and and it's not you know based on the nature of the device. I think it has to do with the lenses and the um the placement of them so close to your face. Um. Like, there's a little bit of grain in all of this, so it's not, like, super clear. Like, you know, monitors and things and phones are getting, like, really slick, right? We're used to these really high-resolution images. Um, this is not that, you know. Um, there's, like, a slight bit of graininess. Um, but that said, like, it, it like it doesn't matter. Uh, it, you know, it's it's wild it's totally wild i i don't know that i would be um watching films or gaming in the vr which you can totally do um uh just because it looks better like in my regular setup um but i can't wait to try out the vr mmos and fallout 4 is supposedly like on its way for the HTC Vive and I I'm just glad for my own personal health that you have to um that you have to charge the controllers every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz then people would never leave. I'm serious. They're just like, you know what? I I'd rather live in this post-apocalyptic, you know, nuclear wasteland. Yeah. I can go outside. Because you already sort of project yourself into these environments, you know, in the games. Like, you do it. That's yeah. part of the escape. Especially with Bethesda games. Especially yeah. with Bethesda Yeah, and even, or like, even World of Warcraft, you know, like, is, I mean, those games are beautiful. They just sort of had a more cartoony kind of, you know, look. But to be actually standing on the edge of this castle with, like, water under you and the sky and, like, little creatures flying out, amazing. Amazing! It's amazing, and then um, yeah. I mean, I've tried a ton, I tested out a ton of stuff, but uh, yeah. No, I'm excited for all this stuff, and uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated because I'm I'm sure I'll be uh, continuing the the VR journey. <laughs> yes, we'll hey. definitely want to hear more about that later. Yeah, for Your sure. Yeah, and- or zombie killing. And uh, and content too because um, you know we actually have we got one um, on a slightly more serious note we got one um, <laughs> submission VR submission to Animation Nice New York um, yeah. I know and I was just like what are we going to do with this but now that I have someone to work with he actually helps filmmakers um, create content for VR so um, oh, wow. 
I know. So um, I should be able to, I mean, I was interested in this anyway, but I'll be able to get like the Cliff's Notes version and sort of a nice um, uh, basic, I mean, I know what's involved, but you know what I mean? Like, it'll just be nice to be working with someone too on this stuff. Because I would love to incorporate that if we can figure out a way to um, show that content as well, you know, um, as part of the screening. Like, I don't know exactly. Maybe we buzz people during the screening event. I have no idea, you know. But um, like you have this much time in order to experience this VR and then right. trade Yeah, who knows? Or maybe for multiple screenings, you know, until there's more submitted. But um, yeah, we are accepting VR animation content, you know, and I'm announcing it. <laughs> All right. Because why not? Official. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to have a VR-centric episode at one point. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, even I, I was hoping to... Um, I mean, there's still a bunch of content. You know, I saw at Tribeca that's not available now. You can watch some stuff like Pearl, but um, I watched The Rose and I, um, and that's, you know, it's set up similarly to um, Element, where you have it, you know, it's a whole whole different experience. It's a tiny little character, a little, like a doll, right? And you're kind of floating in space like a big giant <laughs> looking at this tiny little um, character that's animated, and it's just, it's so fascinating to me because, you know, you know, Dan, Dan, you know, how everyone like sort of, you cheat to camera, like that's something that you just do naturally, like everyone's mm. sort of trained to do that. And, um, in this, with this stuff, it's like, you can't like, cause you can look all around the character. Oh. It's really strange. Have you, see, have you seen Pearl? Yes. Is is yeah. that on is that on Google? Is that on their Google I forgot? It is. Yeah, you can watch that. Yes, yeah, you can watch that in the three sixty uh cool. Yeah, it's really that's beautiful. Um I watched it in VR but honestly it was like through because you can watch um st- content. Sorry, we should sorry, should we just explain what Pearl is? It's um Yes. It's a short made by um Oh great. <laughs> Is he called Patrick? Patrick, um, the same. Uh, it's the guy who did Feast, right? Yes. Oh. That's the part that I remembered, but not um, his name. I like Feast. That's <laughs> yeah. a good yeah, the animation is incredible. Um, in this, and it's like it, it it's really. Patrick Osborne. Hits you in the heart. He, he directed Feast. Osborne. Yeah. That's right. The um the the short that that came attached with Big Hero Six. Yeah, it's 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 a really terrific piece. It's worth watching, and you can watch that online. Um, you don't need the Google Glass or anything like that. You can just watch it um, and sort of pan around. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm, yeah, oh, you can cool. watch it. It's, right, right. it's in 360, Google 360 um, Spotlight Stories. Um, you could just really scroll around it and, and see it that way too, and that's fine. Like, the v, actually in VR, it's weird because it was like streaming, and probably because um, of that, um, it you know wasn't quite as clear. They're still beautiful, um, but you're in the movie. You're like just kind of, again, floating like this weird... Um, ghost giant <laughs> and um, all of the um, activity happens around you which is just an interesting way to, you know alternative way of viewing does it but, make everything um, yeah. quite spooky 
Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, Cause you feel like an, like a ghost entity or something like it's even in the news. It's funny you were saying all this yeah. because I was watching like a, a documentary series about Kubrick and mm-hmm. someone was like analyzing the camera in the shining, which is, you know, the shining is known technically for pioneering the use of Steadicam. Mm-hmm. And that a big part of the movie feeling so eerie and spooky is like this perfect, like perfectly smooth, weightless camera work that's going on as you know, you're kind of floating through the hotel and it just made me think of that, what you were saying about being, being this, uh, this entity. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I mean, you get used to it, but you feel, you feel like you're not necessarily supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know the feeling. Like um, everyone's looking at you, but like, well, you know, it's really yeah. Like, it, like well, they kind of sorry. It's like they don't know you. They don't know you're there, except when in except like okay, a film like Invasion, um, which is really hilarious. Well, it's cute, right? But the animation is really good, really, really well done. And so in that one, and that when Platt played at Tribeca, I saw that at Tribeca, and I watched it again on the Vive. But you are on the ice, right? And this cute little bunny, like, comes mm. jumping towards you. And again, the animation is beautiful and um, really well done anyway. And um, But in those, what's interesting about that film um, is that the characters, it's part of the comic element, so the spaceship flies down, and you look at the bunny, and the bunny's like looking at you, looking at the ship, looking oh, at you, right. like, like, hey, do you see this shit that's happening here? And that it, it really struck me just, hey, just today. That's so cool. That's like Gertie. That's like Gertie the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh that's my god, like, that's hilarious. It is though. It's like you know, um, yeah. the thing is on stage, and it's kind of looking to the audience to like. You know, can you believe this shit? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like someone, a friend of mine recently, he's sort of been working with me on some stuff for, for our animation nights. He, it's funny because he can't, he can figure out why there would be a tie-in to VR. He's like, why are you doing this VR thing? Um, you know, I don't get the tie-in to Animation Nights New York. And I'm mm. like, no, but you don't understand. Like, it's it's that same kind of magical new thing that animation was in the beginning. You know what I mean? It's this sort of art and science and like a new experience of their experiences. You know, I mean, they are experiences in the same way that I, I feel like maybe film was in the very beginning. Like it's that shocking and kind of (laughs) mind bending. Like, it's like it bends reality. You don't know where you are. Like I was thinking I should really shut the hatchway door because someone could just, I mean, not that anyone would and I'm not that paranoid, but like anything could happen in here. <laughs> I would have no idea. I was totally transported. And, and it's not, you know, again, these are brand new. These are brand new experiences, like brand new 
or brand new technology rather, you know, it's really just, I mean, it's been around obviously for a really long time. Um, and in the last three years, you know, it's been made more accessible, but I don't know. It's really just beginning. All right. Sorry. I went on and on. I think it's mostly tied to what we're actually going to be talking about for our main topic today. I mean, you brought up Beast, and I know that's definitely one of the uh, short films. I know that's really tied with the whole idea of what we're going to, the main idea was to talk about today, which was basically how, at least when, you know, when three-dimensional animation was first, you know, really getting some traction, how basically it was just originally used for environmental shots and uh, then just kind of expanding from there into their own kind of feature films, just animated in that way, as we know with the progression from, like, say, the Big Ben scene and Big Mouse Detective to the ballroom scene in Beauty and the Beast, and then moving on from there, like, the more evolution of that particular technology to be used to create a full-length film like Toy Story. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are torn between, you know, two-dimensional animation and three-dimensional animation, and just the, you know, being able, you know, entire film being able to carry, you know, just that particular type of animation. But what I find interesting, especially within the past, I wouldn't say it's the past decade, but there have been a couple different experimentations with it, where you have either a show that is in primarily two dimensions, um, featuring sequences or specific character models that are in three dimensions. Like Tiger and, and Bunny and... Like Tiger and Bunny, like the robot, the robot suits in Tiger and Bunny. And Voltron. Right. And, and Voltron as the most recent example, but there have also been other examples as well. And then, at least, at least with Disney, I think it would be interesting. I don't know if other studios other than Disney have done this. If, I, if I'm wrong, please correct me on this. Where they have a short, like, Paper Man or Feast, where it's very much 3D models, but you have, like, a... 2D, like, you know, facial expressions or, like, like I think, is that, is that technically called layering? I don't, I'm not, I'm, and my, you, know, you guys. Hybrid, hybrid me. animation? Yeah, I think, I think in the case of things like Paperman, like, that, te- that technique was made for the movie, so it's right. not really, it doesn't really have a name other than, like, I think. But there they, is, what they did yeah, totally, yeah, exactly, that thing they did on Paperman, but they, um, there's also, um, they use hybrid, though, don't they, as well, like, for the specific 2D, 3D, like, because it's been done, well, the Prophet, they used, they used, um, sort of a hybrid kind of thing in Prophet, but also, um, do you, one of my favorite, I've mentioned this short film before, because I, um, love it so much, but, um, the Pierce Sisters, in, like, 2008, um was a really good example of this too where they actually it's like nuts they well it was nuts at the time because they were really kind of pushing uh there there some people from Ardman or Ardman um did this film called The Pure Sisters where they used 3D and then they output it and then they painted on those cells and then they reintegrated those textures into CG environment. So you have this like kind of flat, beautiful, um, 
sort of 2D looking film with CG, like 3D CG elements, like, like fish going into a bucket. And, and it's really used in a very beautiful, delicate way to um, sort of punctuate things as like moments of, of dissonance in like a, some sort of lyrical poem or something, you know what I mean? Like it's right. very, it flows really well and it's, it's used, um, it's used as, as punctuation, you know what I mean? Instead of just, um, uh, having, you know, 3d elements and, you know, thrown in, gr- in a gratuitous kind of way. Um, what, what was that it, called? Uh, the Pierce sisters, um, P E A R C E. Um, it's based on a, a, a Scottish folk tale or folklore or something, but, um, it's a beautiful film, really beautiful film. And, and, um, that was one of the first times I know I got um, super excited about the integration of 2D and 3D, um, like because it was done right, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's 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 very noticeable. I've noticed like with with particular shows or uh, movies that you know, that try to like sometimes you'll have movies that do it really well, and then you'll have others or other forms of media that like you can tell what they were going for, but it's not quite the exact. You know, it, it it doesn't. You can still there's mm. like a, a I was what's the word I'm looking for like a disconnection between the two. Yeah, because like, um, because there there are two. The, really, the two techniques like have their own language going on, and it's it, it can interrupt something, and it can be distracting if it's not well done. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- think- what we're talking about really is traditionally animated like two D productions that use CG elements as like uh, as well basically mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah just different examples of like because it's been a lot there have been a lot of different experimentations with it you know mm-hmm. over the years like since you know obviously since that was it first became a thing with you know three-dimensional animation like i said with like at least my the only thing that stands out in my mind is like the first like my first time seeing it would like was the big ben scene and uh the mouse great mouse detective which was actually um traced it was Was the yeah what it was was they had the 3d camera move and the they had the models like figured out and they did this um this technique was like actually popular for a while which was they printed out like photo, like uh, photo stats, and the final cleanup is like a trace of the three D models. This they've done something like that in Akira as well. I think with the um, yeah. Lego bricks that was done like using really, yeah, yeah. It's it's done. It's been done in a few. I think like they do it sometimes for camera moves. I remember seeing some footage for the Ghost in the Shell TV show, where there was a 3D camera move in space, and so that the 2D animation was being correctly mapped on top, they printed out, like, every frame of, like, this wireframe uh, environment, and then that was, like, placed underneath, like, (laughs) sheets of animation paper. So the perspective was, like, right? And it's, it's basically, I mean, like, I think most of the time, CG is used in 2D productions when it's going to be easier 
to well, basically, it's basically to save time, mostly. Save time, and is it supposed to be less expensive as well? Isn't it to an extent? Um, I think that really that really depends. I mean, I, I tell you what, one of my favorite examples of this, and it's actually not CG at all, but it's for me like the first time that the thought process and the production in a 2D production went that direction. Basically, mm-hmm. when um, they were making 101 Dalmatians at Disney, the, the key word in the production was like budget and saving money. And yeah. like it's um, it's known for being like the first movie made at Disney where they used the Xerox process uh, to transfer the animation drawings directly to the cells. So okay. before the animation drawings were traced um, onto cells with ink and paint, and it was very very like expensive, time consuming process. And with and, and it's why the movies in the in the sixties and the seventies at Disney have a kind of scratchier feel. Yeah, um, because and they even reuse certain style of animation too. Like I remember, like with some of the later films, like with, I don't know if it was post uh, One Hundred One Dalmatians, but like I swear, like there's this one scene in One Hundred Dalmatians where Jasper gets hit over the head, and then another scene in Sword of the Stone where I think it was um, the big. Big gruff like night character oh, right. gets yeah. hit over the head and makes the exact same kind of motion and then sa- and sound effects. Yeah, that was them kind of taking cues. That that that's something slightly different. That was like okay. them taking cues from Hanna Barbera uh, animation at the time that developed like this idea of their studio having a library of things that they could fall back on. So okay, gotcha. that was that was kind of like a budgetary thing. But with One Hundred One Dalmatians. The scenes of, um, basically, they had Corella Deville's car, and they got this design done, and it was, you know, a really cool design, and then they had to animate it, and all the animators at Disney were used to, like, doing these beautiful, round, round, um, organic-looking characters that they have, and everyone kind of really struggled with mechanical stuff. So what they did was they used the the same technology that they were using to transfer the animation um, lines onto uh, cells. And what they did was they made models. They made like these these real. I think they must be made out of like card or plastic or something, or probably wood. Um, and they kind of like puppeteered these models. And on these models were drawn really thick black outlines. So when filmed in very high contrast, um, when filmed in very high contrast, the lines just transferred easily into uh, the look of the film because it was black outlines. That's sort of similar to Paperman a little bit, right? Because it's like CG in a way. Because it's like CG and then it was like a product of that CG animation. And then there were, but I think it was done digitally. 
Yeah, I think it was. It was. I think it was a digital animation, especially when you look at the actual movement of the characters. But the, you, you, yeah, but the actual lines on top. There was like there were lines on top of that. You know what I mean? Like so, it was yes, like CG exactly. and um, and line drawing. I mean, it, the process seemed similar. Just maybe the environment was more digital. It's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think you're you're right to say, Rachel. Like the the first um, time that it was really employed in the way that we understand it now was in Great Mouse Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's odd. I mean, I don't. I I think with most things, with most like effects, the way I think of it is. It's fine if it doesn't stand out and I don't really notice it, yeah. which is a weird thing because usually a CG element in a film is the film like showing off, mm-hmm. like that boring <laughs> scene in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. It's a very yeah, it's, it's a show off shot. That's one thing I thought the Prophet wasn't so great at. Like I, I thought when the film started. It was their style was distracting that sort of like motion capture, or at least that's what it looked like. Sort of motion capture, and the animation looked. I really. It just looked like there were budget constraints to me, <laughs> and initially, and I was just like, Ugh. like I kind of didn't care for the film in the very beginning, like the first like movement of it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. by the middle, I was I loved it. But go ahead, sorry. That sort of CG trying to look. 2D, isn't it, yeah. rather than the other way around? Well, yeah, but like that's kind of what these movies were. Do- like, if you look at um, Hydra in in Disney's Hercules, right, that was yes, them the like Hydra. developing that technology where they were like, uh, you know, it's called cell shading, where mm-hmm. yeah. you, right. where you treat the 3D models with a certain processing. Like a like a, a rendering process mm-hmm. where you force edges to describe lines in the way that a drawing would. Mm, okay. You get that get that quite a lot in anime because they're trying to make yeah. they're trying to use trying to use CG, but they want it to still look like anime. Yeah, and it doesn't. It just really stands out. I mean. Um, Oh my brain! Um, okay. It can stand I... out, and there there are ways of like getting it to work. And I've seen, I have seen it, and it has worked in certain circumstances. But usually, for me, it just comes down to like I was kind of saying it before, where you you set up the film having a kind of visual language. So if you have like um uh Hercules, okay. And then it's a very cartoony movie with lots of big outlines and big cartoony things going on. And then if you have a CG element introduced, it kind of has to just fit with the style. So it has to be a big, bold cartoony design with quite flat treatment of you know, lighting mm-hmm. for it not to stand out, and That's it also what has to be got with the Hydra, right? Kind of, yeah. And I mean, like it was very impressive. Like at the time, I think they they understood that the way uh, 
computer graphics want to round everything out was not right for them and they tried to get you know a high contrast in the lighting so that it didn't seem like cg Mm -hmm. yeah there are other cases um go ahead chris i was gonna say that i think one of the ways it works best is when it's it's used to do something like machinery or stuff like like um or robots Robots. Yeah, you'd like... dinner for a few used that, and it looked fantastic. That was the film. The film I was trying to remember, um, because there was something. There was also kind of the subject matter was sort of off-putting, right? And and it, it, that worked really, really well to me. And that was sort of the style used throughout the film. But it, well, made was, you, um... it added to the unease. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but machinery. Like basically one of the earliest examples that I think works is the Iron Giant and the um Oh of course. And right. and also like the um like the ships in Futurama where they use like cell shading on that. Cause, and I think that works. Um like the Iron yeah. Giant is done the, the giant himself is done using C G and the rest of it's two D and I think I mean the I, other thing though go ahead, sorry Dan. No, um, I just want to say, like, qu- really quickly, like, I understand that, and but I always am slightly, pretty much ever since I saw Cast of Cagliostro, and you, and I saw like how you can animate a car with the same kind of like cartoony character and expression um, as a human character in a movie. It's kind of a shame to think, oh, just because this object is necessarily um, mechanical in the real world, we're going to use CG and create a really super solid um, representation of that in the cartoon. Well, I get what you're saying, I guess, but I guess it really all it comes down to is, does this type of animation really serve this character or this object the best in terms of making it look or move realistically like i think with in the case of some uh um particular anime that i've watched like say um was it gargantia i think that's they there was a similar idea they had you know all the characters in the environments or at least most of the environments were 2d and then you had the um the main protagonist uh robot chamber he was he was primarily a cg creation and, you know, interacting with the, the rest of the cast. And it, it to an extent, it kind of works because, you know, at least with the way he moves and the way he, you know, interacts, it, it made sense for him to be that kind in be animated in that way, I think. I know what you're saying. And I, and I, but I do think that, like, I know for a fact, like, certainly in, um, in, uh, in tight circles of, like, fans of mecha anime, Mm-hmm. Um, there's an understanding that even though it might not make like perfect, like uh, certainly like budgetary sense for something to be animated that's mechanical by hand, there really is a type of expression that you can still continue with when animating something mechanical, like. Like the best example of that in in um, in practice for me is the um, there's a shot 
from the Evangelion like TV show or movies mm-hmm. where an Eva, when Eva is running. Right. And yeah. the animator like completely understands how to describe weight um and the the volumes are all perfect but it has mm-hmm. like enough exaggeration that it really feels dynamic. And then for the later right. movies where they remade that scene it was replaced with a CG model and the CG model just had a little bit too much stiffness going on Mm -hmm. and something was certainly lost with the dynamic nature of that scene. Yeah, I'm thinking something to do with the animators. And usually in... Unfortunately, usually in... uh, in productions, when you'll see a CG element, it's kind of because of budget that mm-hmm. that decision that that something is um, cell cell shaded CG. Right. I've yeah. also heard that. Sorry, I've also heard that there's a there's actually a shortage of like animators in Japan who can actually do hand drawn like mecha and stuff these days right and that that's one of the other problems like loads of people who could do that kind of thing have basically there's been like a big like brain drain to the games industry Hmm. yeah it it is it is is a very time consuming um thing because you know mecha designs have lots and lots of lines and lots of edges which are time-consuming things to draw but um I think usually it, it, it's it's like most things. It comes down to can we do this any cheaper and have it basically look the same if we and faster, you know. So why are we drawing this? Let's let's use cell cell shape. And and like I think it has gotten better. There have been some really cool um, things I've seen where. Um, the animators have understood like to get the CG animation to fit in the world of the um, the 2D like grammar of the film or TV show, they'll like use um, different frame rates. So usually the biggest tell of like a CG 3D CG um, like element in a film or a TV show apart from the fact that it looks slightly too perfect, um, is the fact that it moves a lot smoother than the rest of the animation. And there have been a few anime movies in the last few years where they've like been animating uh, CG, cel-shaded CG things on threes to really try and imitate um, hand-drawn stuff. Actually, one of the people who are best at doing this is Ghibli. Like the um, yeah. the uh, sequence in Princess Mononoke, the um, like the CG ones. Um, I mean the uh, like the by like the first person perspective things, and in oh, yes. and in uh, Spirited Away as well. That that you wouldn't you wouldn't go oh look, that's CG, but. That's how it's done. Yeah, they they yeah, are used. They are used like really subtly, um, in 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 those movies. But um, 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't think uh, animation would like. It, it's funny, basically, when people you hear people say, like, "Oh, I wish animation was," you know, they went back to hand drawn stuff. But for the last twenty years, CG has had like a big effect on how two D animation is produced. It really so has. movies haven't really looked the same since since then. And like you're saying, Chris, like with those sorts of dynamic camera moves in Princess Mononoke, and there are a couple in um, Spirited Away as well. Like people say, oh, it's a beautiful hundred animation, but really, it's 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 not. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely relies on computers to for it to look that way. It's really yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Well, no, I was just saying that the thing is, you know, I mean. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like character animation and CG is so um, difficult to do right, mm-hmm. and um, and not have it be have weight issues, right? Um, like you could tell when things are floaty, or it just it's so easy to see that. And um, yeah, and when you have when you have like three yeah. D CG cel shaded stuff next to really solidly animated yeah 2d uh drawings you know moving with the full understanding of weight and you know all of these animation principles it stands out and it notices and sometimes it can be a distraction i'll tell you what's a great example of that actually that is tied to what i watched this week so i'm gonna there's a quick aside in there i was um (laughs) i found myself watching yeah yeah i found a way um (laughs) I was watching, uh, rewatching some episodes of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and um, loving every minute of it, of course. But um, one of there's one instance or a couple instances in the series, um, I think in the later portions, where one of the primary antagonists, Envy, actually is able to transform himself because he's he's he she it has been able to transform into you know anyone anything it sees, but. Um, one of the more interesting aspects of one of the transformations they have is this big, giant, green monster. You know, obviously, because a tied, obviously tied with the sin it's supposed to represent. But one of the interesting things in Brotherhood when they did this animation, like, they show the actual transformation into this thing in two dimensions. Like, it's very clearly a, a 2D model. And then when it comes to actually having the thing move and fight, and just... It is definitely either cell. I can't really tell for sure if you've seen it. You know, you probably could be able to tell me is um, either CG or like you said, cell shaded kind of animation. Which, in some ways, I guess with the the bigness of it, it's the disconnection is okay. But I don't know because there's like one aspect of that animation that always like distracts me is the fact that the idea of this thing has got like hundreds of thousands of human souls that you can actually see trying to, like, get out of the thing's skin. And, you have, you know, you've seen bits of it animated in two dimensions. It's freaky as hell. But you see, the, you see those, like, faces, like, moving around on the, the monster's skin in the, in the CG model, and it just... I don't know. The lack of movement compared to the 2D animation, it, makes, it definitely adds to the disconnection. But, I don't know. It was just, just a thought. 
the fact that you know sometimes the, if it's if it's definitely if it's a character model or just something or like, something like that that there's definitely more of a disconnect than say something is part of the right or... right yeah yeah like when oh like a a um example of bad <laughs> cg integration is what the uh berserk movies ah uh, yeah, yeah because they are literally some of them are some bits are 2d animated and some bits are um uh like cell shaded like with the characters and stuff and they'll move between them like depending on whether it's an action sequence or whatever and it's so grating and it's like but the 2d animation looks really nice <laughs> and the 3d animation just doesn't and when they move between them, it's really it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It does. Like, Why did you make the movie like this? Hmm. I mean, it's it it comes down to budget in those in those cases. Yeah, because it's they're always with the with those with that particular industry of animation. It's always making sure that you know you've you've only got so much money and so much time in order to produce episodes or movies or what what have you so it's you gotta you gotta make some sacrifices somewhere i do think it is funny though how i mean it's kind of inevitable as well in some in some ways how cg animation is like we're now quite comfortable with it um trying to imitate uh flatter art forms Mm. like like things like like peanuts like well, like Feast More and Paperman, like how it's mm. if you paused it, it's trying to trick you into thinking that it was drawn entirely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it has to do. I think personally, I think the reason for that is that it's a, just another look because you know how yeah. you know we've talked about this before. How CG tends to kind of all it all starts to look familiar, and part of it has to do with like. I think probably the pipeline workflow and and the you know rigs themselves and the fact that you have all these people sort of working these characters and the you know rigs have to be you know what I mean I think that has to do that that's a large that's probably part of the reason I think also like um, representational art like has this curve like a curve and drop off thing and I guess like the clearest example of it is the effect that photography had on. art where it very quickly began to um, influence art in the sense that paintings were suddenly not trying to recreate reality. They were trying to, they were trying new forms of expression and they were, they were fine with being paintings and they weren't trying to trick you into, you know, um, a representation of reality. And then the same, I think that's the same, I think that's like why David O'Reilly is a really smart, interesting, um, like, guy, because he understands, like, okay, CG's got to the point now where we've had very impressive, uh, you know, demos that have kind of, like, tricked us into thinking that it's reality. And now, like you're saying, Yvonne, like we're bored of it and we're okay with it being what it, we're okay with the medium, not pretending to be something else. And let's try, you know, new 
new forms of expression uh, visually. Right. It's like giving it, yeah, breathing room a little bit in a way, <laughs> mm-hmm. but still, uh, you know, utilizing CG is fascinating. It really is. And that's a, even, even in the parts where, like I said, where you can very much see the disconnect, it is, it is interesting to continue to see like different TV shows, movies, and what have you continue to experiment because with each failure, or we, with each, uh, or I wouldn't say failure, but each thing, you know, ex- example that doesn't come quite close, it's a springboard for someone else to take a look at that style and animation. It's like, okay, this is how we can do it better. This is how we can make the disconnect less apparent. Yeah, and I, I still think there's a little... It's, it's, it's close, and, but the, the, the irony is, is that, like, the, re- so the, the irony is, is that um, the reason CG is used in 2D productions is to save budget. Mm-hmm. but for it to be convincing a lot of time still has to be put into um, ensuring like that all of these like animation principles are going into the animation of the cell shaded objects right and it ends up becoming like almost a little bit too much hassle more hassle than it's worth because to get it convincing you're probably spending as much time just on another area uh, than if you were to just draw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's usually what I think when I when I see so shaded, like like for example, a car, like um, the um, Sylvain Chamay movie, The Illusionist, um, and also Triplets of Belleville. They both have cell shaded um, vehicles in them. And mm-hmm. I always think, like, okay, I get it. Like, I get why you've done that. But And they are animated well, but they still, like, I can see them a mile off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I they know. They stand out on purpose. I don't think it's on purpose. Hmm. I think it's really, I mean, in those senses, it is a budgetary thing. It's, look, we don't have the time to... I don't know. Right. It's, it's a shame. Because like, yeah. cause that, that tradition does not exist in Japanese animation. You know, right. from quite early on, people were quite fearless with just trying to draw these robots or these cars or anything mechanical and kind of be as expressive with that stuff as characters. But because like Western animation is by and large... I know it's always a huge generalization to say these things, but by and large, it's influenced by Disney. Yeah. Because Disney basically said, okay, Cruella de Vil's car is too hard to draw. Let's build a model. Uh, from mm-hmm. then on, people were just kind of convinced that you can only really animate characters by hand and uh, mechanical things like kind of aren't interesting to draw by hand. And the imperfection is something not to be sought. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, it's been it's been a pretty relatively thorough discussion with regards to this topic. I mean, there's probably we could probably go on and on about different aspects or different examples that have done well or have been your you know just at least more you know disconnected from 
the you know the marriage between the two styles but mm. i think it, it's, you know, it's i think it's really interesting when the opposite starts to happen as well and you have like yeah. we were saying like it coming back in the other direction and like a movie actually like bolt a lot of the backgrounds right. are um matte paintings right i almost forgot about that that's so cool so it's it's literally a conversation between <laughs> <laughs> It quite it certainly is, and I and I would very much uh, like to see different you know animators you know whether on in the east or in the west experiment with it a little bit more and try and see if they can find a like a really new way to for the both styles to look and work together. I've seen experiments lately um, that have been pretty amazing. And yeah, 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 and um, I mean, like actually, like that that group uh, test footage. With sorry, with Groot and Rocket Raccoon. Like, oh right, yeah. It's kind of seamless, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, that those I am definitely excited to see, especially just just to explore that particular kind of art style more, that animation, and just oh, so cool. But I think that might be all the time that we have for today. It was a really good discussion. Maybe we might revisit this topic later on, but um, it's we're going to have to wrap things up so that makes it for episode 48 if you want to check out our other episodes you can check out our website at animationforadults.com or the podcast episodes tab you can also find us on iTunes podcast.com and Stitcher and you know if you want to hear uncut episodes feel free to subscribe to our Patreon page and you'll be able to listen to more bits of the podcast that was probably edited out of this episode. And Chris, where can we find you on the social medias? You can find me at Mr. Christor on Twitter and Facebook. And you could also you can find my first article on on the Funimation Now UK blog about Ghost in the Shell. Woo! Yeah. Nice. Nice. Alright Dan, where can we find you on the social medias? Awesome. You can find me on the internet at Twitter. Uh, at Hamu. All right, and Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And as always, if you'd like to submit a short film to Animation Nights New York, uh, we're on Film Freeway, and you can go to our site, animationnights.nyc. And uh, our next screening and networking event is August 10th, um, Wednesday, 8 p.m. at 180 Main Lane if you're in the New York City area. And uh, we'll also be starting rescreen events uh, Tuesday, August 16th at the Gutter Bar in Williamsburg. And our Best of Fest, uh, which we'll officially, officially, officially announce, <laughs> is September 29th and 30th in the South Street Seaport, uh, primarily at 180 Maiden Lane. So, yeah, check it out. All right, 180 Maiden Lane, got it. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for joining us for this episode, and we will see you next time on episode 49. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.